This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. A massive warm welcome. Great to see us. Uh, great to see you. And if you're joining us uh, online, thanks for taking the time to tune in. Confidence. Confidence is a really powerful thing, isn't it? There's nothing quite like confidence. It's great to see people with confidence, isn't it? I'm not talking about arrogance now. I'm talking about confidence. There's nothing like a confident child. Abigail Rankin here at our church. I love her to death. You will not ever meet such a confident child. Nothing seems to faze her because she has confidence. Confidence is a powerful thing. Mental toughness is a powerful thing, isn't it? Sometimes we ask ourselves, is it nature or nurture? What gives somebody the ability sometimes to just dig really deep and just get on with stuff? Swansea at this moment in time, our beloved Swansea City, are going to fight a relegation battle this season, so it seems, isn't it? And sides are incredible as they respond to those kind of things that go on. And the ones that have got self-belief, confidence, and mental toughness will be the ones that will stay up. In fact, confidence, it could be said, has gone from the theatre of dreams up there at Manchester United. Some people say they should now arguably change its name to the Stadium of Nightmares instead. What's gone wrong? Most expensive, one of the most expensive teams in the world. Confidence. Mental toughness. Trust. Confidence is a powerful thing. Mental toughness is a powerful thing. But faith, now faith is something different. Faith is something that comes from outside of us, isn't it? Some people have got faith because in the words of the great theologian George Michael, you've got to have faith, don't you? I'm seeing Andrea who is mourning the loss of her beloved George Michael in the front here. Hold your tears. Um, but you've got to have faith, haven't you? Haven't you? Got to have faith. Husbands, I hope you have faith in your wives. Parents, I hope you have faith in your children. You've got to have faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 teaches us from the word of God that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But those that come to him must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is the ability to just believe in the unbelievable. Now, we can have human faith, can't we? Human faith is a great thing to have. Human faith is something uh, that we can apply to our lives in a kind of a, a confident, self-assured way. But the faith that I want to talk to you about this morning is a God-centered faith. The faith that can be found where Paul writes to the church in Rome, in Romans 8 verse 11, he says, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, his resurrecting power, that same power dwells in you and he will quicken your body. 
So the Word of God is teaching us that there is a faith that comes from outside of us. There's a belief that comes from outside of us. And that faith, if we put our trust in Him, if we believe that it and that He exists, that He will diligently reward us for our faith and our belief. It's good to have confidence, but it's better to have faith. My message to you today is from our memory verse for this year that God has laid on my heart for us as a church. And the memory verse that I would like all of us as a church to commit to learning this year, like we've committed to learning one annually for the last uh, few years, can be found in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, that we'll turn to in a moment. But this message to head up our year as Mark has encouraged us today to look into the future and to put our trust in him, to cast ourselves completely on him as we've sung this morning, that we put our trust in him and this message as a result this morning that I want to deliver to you that God has laid on my heart is simply called possible. Possible. Our Bible teaches us in Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, Your word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's a great practice to learn God's word, church. It's a great, if, even if we just do the one thing of doing one verse a year. Uh, I think John was praying earlier and said, 30 years, if you've done one verse a year since you were born again, that would be 30 verses by now, and I know you've memorized a lot more than that. Let's be a church that hide God's word in our heart, that we might not sin or transgress against him. We have all hopefully learned uh, Hebrews 12 verse 2, don't we, from 2015. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the glory that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the Father on high. I hope you learnt last year's verse and hope that you found that encouraging you from Philippians 4 verse 19. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you're new to the church, please will you join us this year and learn Matthew 19:26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. What a great verse. Can we apply this to our lives this year? With man, things are impossible. With man, this is impossible. Maybe that promotion Maybe that breakthrough that you need. Maybe that pay rise. Maybe that family situation to change. Looking from the outside with fleshly eyes, maybe with man, it's impossible. But I want to tell you this morning on the authority of God's word, with God, all things are possible. Well, I thought the roof was going to come off there. With God, all things are possible. This is the God turns water into wine. How cool is that? A glass of wine at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm not sure that's really healthy. But a God that turns water into wine. How cool is that? A fine Chateau Neuf de Pape 
being turned from Brecon Carrig water. How cool would that be? This is the God that parts the Red Sea. This is the God that brings down the walls of Jericho. This is the God that sends manna from heaven and quail for people to eat in the middle of the wilderness. How unbelievable is our God? I'm sure he can stretch to a pay rise. I'm sure he can stretch to a breakthrough from your family, for your family. With God, all things are possible. We're going to look at three scriptures this morning as we turn to God's word together to look at some things that I believe God wants to teach us about how things become possible under his power. So, as I did last week, one sermon, three scriptures. Way, way better than one scripture, three sermons, isn't it? So turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles, off the backdrop of that Matthew 19, verse, verse 26 verse that we look at in a moment, and turn to our first scripture, which is found in Genesis 18. Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to read from verse 9 together. And this is a scripture where the Lord appears to Abram by the tree in Mamre. It's unbelievable. How many of you have seen God or have a, had a revelation from God? Some of you have, yeah. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I have never seen an angel. I have never seen Jesus Christ. But some people do. I don't know how people get a, an epiphany of such things. I'm not sure whether I'd actually look forward to seeing one or meeting God. I'm not sure I'd like just like do like people do in the Bible and just run away and run a million miles when God appears. And it always makes me laugh whenever God appears in physical form. Do you know what the first thing he says? Don't be afraid. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. I'd be afraid, I'm afraid, if God appeared to me. But some people, I remember Brian Ayres in our, uh, that used to attend our church and, the, and then uh, moved on. Um, I remember Brian Ayres explaining how God had met him in a prison cell and got him to read some scriptures and through that was wonderfully converted. Incredible. And the Lord appears in Genesis chapter 18 here to Abram, one of the founding fathers of the Christian faith and in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Verse 9 reads like this, when it's talking about the angel appearing to Abraham and appearing to Sarah and saying that they were going to have a baby when they were really, really old. Read the scripture with me. Verse 9, the last part of it. Where's your wife Sarah? They asked him. These are the angels that have appeared. There in the tent, Abraham said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abram and Sarah were already very old. So they weren't just old, they were very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Past it, she was. Very old and past it. I love this. So Sarah laughed to herself. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. Have you ever laughed to yourself? That's not a lol. It's not a laugh out loud. It's a laugh to yourself. And you know, some of us are guilty of doing this when God comes and he speaks to us in our hearts and lives. Some of you having an epiphany. And God reveals something to you that's in his purpose. Or you feel a conviction in your soul. And our response sometimes to the promise on our lives. There are men and women in this church. God has great plans for you. God believes it. I believe it. All the church believe it. The problem is some of you don't believe it. 
You don't believe what God has put on your life in an incredible anointing to change the lives of young people. I'm reminding Dan and Emily, I'm reminding you this morning on the authority of God's word. God has put something incredible in your lives. You need to believe it. We need to believe it. The church believe it, don't we? Because see it on them. If we can believe it, if we can have faith, dare us not laugh inside. And when God comes and speaks to our hearts. Verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. I love this. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Always wanted a child. Now she's old, very old, past it and worn out. How many of you feel like that this morning? (laughs) Now imagine feeling like that, but God comes and gives you a word. Today would have been the 83rd birthday of the founding pastor of this house. You are only here today because of his vision and his obedience. You are only here today that north of 60 years of age when people had told him that he was too old and that he was past it and that it could not be. Here you are as living proof of God's grace and favor on a man that was willing to be obedient to his purpose. Verse 13, then the Lord said to Abraham, And this is amazing. See, you laugh, but God sees you. The Word of God tells us that His Word is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Nobody else sees. He sees. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? She was laughing inside. Because God knows. Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. How cool is that scripture? The second scripture is taken from Luke chapter 1. And we're all familiar with this because we've just had the Christmas period where we've been reading a lot from Luke's gospel. It's got a great account of the birth of Jesus Christ where the angel Gabriel comes in Luke chapter 1 and appears to Mary telling her that she was to become the mother of Jesus. Just two verses I want to share with you starting from verse 36 of Luke chapter 1. Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived her son, a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Oh, come on, church. <laughs> for with God, nothing will be impossible. Praise your name, Lord. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it be to me as you have said. Just two attitudes there. Amazing, isn't it? One questions God. 
I often wonder, you know, why are the women so obedient in God's word and the men always rebelling? Oh, Moses, call you to read the, oh, the Gideon, everyone, and Jonah. Oh, let's go off and do our own thing. The women, what are they? Angel appears. This is what's going to happen. May it be to me as you have said. <laughs> wow. She would make someone a good wife. I bet she really blessed Joseph. What a blessed woman of God. One of my favorite women in the Bible. And she comes and believing in the impossible. Some people even today find it half impossible to believe in the virgin birth and the immaculate conception. She was the first one. <laughs> the only one, as far as we're aware, that comes and just simply believes. But with God, nothing will be impossible. And the final scripture is from Matthew 19. We're going to read from uh, verse 6 to 19 together to give us uh, context and then we'll dive into the three points quickly to uh, close. Matthew 19 verse 6. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. When the man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If we have confidence, things still remain impossible. If we have mental toughness, things still remain impossible. If we have human faith and great self-belief, things still remain impossible. But I promise you, on the authority of God's word this year, for us as a church and for you as individuals and disciples and followers of Christ and those of you that might not even have come to faith, you can come to him today and believe. As we do that and put our faith in him, the impossible becomes possible 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 let's pray father god we thank you for your word lamp to our feet light to our path and i pray today as we just look at this subject of the incredible faith that if we put our trust and our obedience in you how you reward those that diligently seek you lord as we share and as we learn and as we are encouraged and challenged from God's word today, 
may you help us to put our trust in you, to cast ourselves completely, that you might transform our lives from this day forth, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you have heard about the five P's of marketing, haven't you? Some of you have heard of the three P's of presenting. Today, I'd like to introduce you to the three P's of possible. The three P's of possible. The first one is this wonderful word called providence. Providence. How many of you believe in luck? How many of you believe in fate? How many of you believe in karma? I believe in them. I believe in them wrapped up in the Bible word for that same thing called providence. Providence. The dictionary says that providence is the protective care of God or of nature as a spiritual power on our lives. It's God's providence that gives me breath right now, isn't it? It's God's providence on my life that is pumping the blood right around my veins and my arteries right now, isn't it? It's the providence of God that allowed me to be born in this country. I can't explain it why I was born here, not Somalia. That's providence. Outside of my control. Not luck, not fate, not karma. God's providence. And the Bible, as we've already said, teaches us that without faith it's impossible to please God. We must put our faith in the providential power of God. We just prayed, didn't we? Didn't I just pray and ask God to open his word and to change our lives? If we said amen to that, what are we doing? We're asking God's power to come into our lives here and teach us. The Bible teaches us that he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, the comforter. He will lead us into all truth. I am convinced in the authority of God's word that we can take a man, put him on, on an island, give him the Bible, and he will become a fully mature Christian because the Holy Spirit will guide and teach him as he, leads, as he reads God's word. That's the way discipleship works. But faith is a vital component of providence. Faith involves belief. Faith must be active. Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these words after he's talked about, you know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are this, that, and the other. And he goes on and he puts this wonderful little passage of Scripture. He says, don't worry. Do not worry, he says. And he goes on to talk about the sparrows. And he goes on, a passage of Scripture that every woman should take on board. He covers three areas. He says, don't worry what you should eat. He says, don't worry, girls, what to wear? At that wedding, three weddings coming up this year at the church, don't worry what to wear, folks. He says, don't worry what to eat. Don't worry about what. Don't worry. He says, look at the sparrows, how they are clothed. I tell you what, sparrows are incredible. All birds, aren't they? When you look at them closely, incredibly beautiful things. They don't worry, do they? But we worry. In fact, there's a line of faith that God requires us to cross, isn't there? A line of faith. We talk about uh, faith, don't we? And we talk about self-belief. When we talk about self-belief or mental toughness or an outlook of life, we ask questions about glasses, don't we? And we say, is this glass 
Or is it? So what is it, folks? It's half full. Sorry, say louder. What is this glass? Well, lovely. We've got a pile of optimists here. Anybody think it's half empty? Yes, Joe, the ultimate pessimist. Yet God doesn't call us to be either of these. God calls us to be people of faith, not relying on natural components like metal toughness and confidence. What God tells us is that our cup overflows. Overflows. More blessing. All the cleaning team are doing the same thing again. I can't believe he's spilt water all over the city. It is water. Mm. And it's nice. And what happens, as Mark has encouraged us last year, um, preach, preaching for, uh, from Romans and, and being transformed by the renewing of our mind, we go around as Christians and believers asking people, are you half full or half empty? Pessimistic, optimistic questions. We are people of faith. We're not of this world. We're from another world. We're from his kingdom. And we should be asking ourselves, how running over is your cup? Is it running over more than mine? Because I tell you, my cup is full and running over this morning. I was just singing those words, words uh, from cast myself um, earlier and just overcome at one point with just the kindness of God on my life. Because I should be dead. That's the providential power of God on my life. I should be dead from TB. Those of you know, know that I suffered of that a few years ago. Thanks to the providential power of God and medicine and people praying, I stand before you today healthy. How cool is God? I should be paralyzed. I fell 22 feet off a ladder on August the 1st a few years ago. 22 feet off a ladder onto my back. The doctors, as they were looking at my scans and everything and the x-ray that they took me, and I'll never forget, the curtains were closed and the junior doctor who had given the prognosis was there with a consultant that had come around. And I'll never forget their words. They didn't know that I could listen from this side of the curtain. But the words were this. Nobody falls 22 feet off a ladder and gets away scot-free. I did. God's wonderful providential power on my life. I should have lost all the fingers on my right hand. Never forget Mike and me, do you remember the day, Mike, where we were down in the warehouse, instead of getting the professionals in, two farmer's boys thinking, oh, we'll sort the, uh, the, the door. We've got this huge, I don't know how much it weighs, Mike, it must weigh the best part of maybe half a ton, the big warehouse door at our uh, warehouse and distribution center in Croissants. And it had got jammed, I can't remember what had happened, but Mike and me said, we'll sort this now, get a ladder. And we were there propping it up and everything. And I remember holding the wire on one of the sides. And I said to Mike when he let the plot go and hit it out, when I was going to say, go after three, and I can't remember, there was confusion between him and me, we let it go. But there was this wire that was being kept, I was keeping the tension and needed a snap back into the frame. And it was a, an iron box section straight into the frame. And I tell you, the whole weight, half a ton of the door on it. I was holding the wire like this. What I wanted to happen was Mike to hold on before the three, because I was the sucker on the ladder, Mike was using the sledge. <laughs> what I wanted to do is just hold it, change my fingers this way, so I could just hold the tension of the wire, Mike would knock the block and the wire would just go back, because that way I could keep my hands. Genuinely, as God is my judge, Mike was there that day, 
I don't know to this day how the wire went through my hands and hit the back of that box section. And I was on the ladder, I came down and Mike said, okay, I was kind of white from two things. Number one, I could have lost my fingers, but the other thing, how did that just happen? My own personal miracle. I should be dead. I should be paralyzed. I should have lost all the fingers. This church should not be here. All of this happens through God's providential power. Our first P is providence. And if we are to succeed this year, we must apply our faith and put our words into actions. Not just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. So when that bill arrives, when the situation arrives this year in 2017, church, it's possible. With God, all things are possible. And we're going to rely on his providential power as the foundation for everything in our, in our world this year. And we're going to say, God, with man, this is impossible. But with you, it's possible. The second P is our priorities. God works through us obeying his priorities. How many times have you been told you need to get your priorities in order? How many times have you told that? My wife reminds me quite regularly that I need to get my priorities in order. And as we put our priorities in order, God blesses us through his providential power. Some people are looking for a big brass, unbelievable miracle for the answer to everything in their lives. But you know, all the answers are to be found in God's word. You know, some people are looking for a pay rise without putting more in. Put more in. Be a great member of staff. Be a member of staff that God talks about in his word, that's on time, that is giving his best, that is honoring his employer. Pay rise will come. Don't have to pray for it. It'll come if we honor God and get our priorities right. I was talking to my squash partner the other day, and he said to me, well, at the end of the day, he said, Phil, kids come first. And I said, sorry? He said, the kids come first. I said, kids come third. I said, Sean, kids come third. And he said, third? Are you mad? He said to me. I said, no, last time I checked, I think I'm pretty much, some think I'm mad, but I'm not mad. I said, kids come third. I said, God comes first, doesn't he, Sean? Oh, he said, uh, yeah, you would say that, wouldn't I? I said, well, it's a fact. Do you believe it or not, Sean? God comes first. I said, but secondly, I says, my wife then comes first. What do you mean? Never forget, I shared with him how uh, I remember having a conversation with uh, a, a guy that had gone through a quite a kind of horrendous separation from his wife and everything, and they came back together again, and they are wonderfully together today. And I sat with him, and I asked him this question. And I said, look, I'll call him mate for now. I said, look, mate. I said, what advice would you give to everyone after this whole experience that you've been through? Do you know what the advice he said? From God's word itself as well. Never forget that you are husband and wife before you were mum and dad. You that are getting married this year, work on your relationship together, strong marriage, create strong children. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it on your own. I would hate to be doing it on my own. I take my hat off to single parents all over the world that just do it. But it's God's order that man has himself someone who completes him. And together they raise children. And we've got to get those priorities right. But the world system is the kids come first. We've got to put our priorities in order in terms of the way that we serve God. And the problem is in three areas, three P's, in possessions, 
in people and in plans. We read in the story of the Bible regularly people, possessions and plans that people get it wrong. Jonah got it wrong in the planning, didn't he? We see that people, uh, Samson got it wrong in his selection of people. He should have left Delilah years ago, shouldn't he? <laughs> Nobody ever gets named Delilah anymore, have you noticed that? <laughs> Nobody ever gets named Jezebel. What's your name? Jezebel. What's your name? Delilah. And we just go, oh my word, who named them? Because of what we read in Scripture. Possessions. People. Plans. The rich young ruler couldn't get his possessions in order. Couldn't follow Christ. And Jesus says to him, yes, I know, he says to the rich young ruler, with God, this is, with man, this is impossible. But with God, this is possible. So the first P is providence. The second P is our priorities. Can we this year get our priorities in God's order? And I tell you, as you do so, see the miracles rolling. See them just rolling in your life as God will look after you in his providential way. And finally, and everyone said, <laughs> the final P, patience. Patience. We live in a world of instant coffee, instant cameras, instant everything, don't we? <laughs> instant whip, did somebody say it? In fact, we've gone past instant. Instant wasn't good enough a name to use anymore in our country. So we decided to call them not instant meals. We decided to call them ready meals. Now, they're not ready meals. They are instant meals. You have to put them in a, a microwave, what we call in our house, ding food. You put it in a microwave, ding, it's ready. Ding food. And sometimes, you know, busy schedules, all of us are putting things in the microwave, getting ding food. People want ding Christianity. They want God to be the microwave of heaven. That they want to send up their prayers. They don't want to hit defrost on the timer. No, that takes too long. They don't want to hit five minutes. They want 30 seconds. Ding! God's good. God doesn't work like that. At all. There are no microwaves in the Bible, folks. And it's not down to technology. There's nothing that happens quickly in the Bible. Have you noticed? God's purposes and plans are steadfast. And they are, require patience. That's the way God works. In fact, he uses analogies for us like seed and soil and watering and waiting and fruitfulness. We don't want to do that. We've got a microwave faith that we come out, we plant a seed. I'm taking, Lord, I'm taking my seed to give in. I'm going to give my seed here. I'm going to water it, God, you know. And here we are going out every single day. I'm going to take the seed of my obedience, Lord. I'm going to take the seed of generosity and hospitality. And we expect like ding God. But we need to be patient. Trust in him. And so what happens sometimes, and I'm closing with this, and we're going to sing shortly that song that we sang earlier cast ourselves completely can we do that not cast ourselves partially but cast ourselves this year completely on him can we do that church for our children for our plans for our purposes for the job that we say god i'm bringing my seed to you today 
I'm planting it. And I'm just stepping back in faith, knowing that you will just water what I bring. Some of us will bring a lot. Some of us will bring maybe what we have. I tell you, what you have is enough. Jesus fed the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fishes, and there was plenty left over. The reason there was plenty left over is God is a cup running over God. The widow came with a little mite, and she dropped it in to pay her temple tax. There were others that had plenty. But Jesus said she has given more than them. Can we just bring what we have this year and say, God, I just want to come and I want to trust in your providential care. Lord, I commit myself this year to get my priorities right. And I commit myself to just be patient and to let go and let God can we do that, church? Come on, let's stand and let's sing together. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.